there, pretties. It's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And a really sweet guy with a deep voice to give you a... Uh, oh, yes. Just a quick warning. Yes, the Chrissy and Heather show contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and nonsense. If you're averse to any of these ingredients, the Chrissy and Heather show may not be for you. So talk to your doctor and all your friends about this program. Let's get into it. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chrissy. How was your weekend? Oh, it was fast. Yeah. And busy. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, I just want to get right into it today because we have a grab bag and we have our first guest ever today. Woohoo! We have with us today Cameron Ulrich. Hello, ladies. And gentlemen. And gentlemen. Uh-huh. You too. Yes. <laughs> it's not gender exclusive, but yeah, mostly ladies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Cameron is here today. Um, so I was thinking about how do I introduce Cameron because we don't know each other very well. No. Um, but I figured the best way is just to tell the story of when I decided that I'm going to know you and you're going to be my friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what has I do. a way of doing yeah. that. <laughs> So you were doing an event locally where you were talking about the bees in your life. I was. I was. Mm-hmm. I was speaking. And um, then this like kind of fun, um, you know, jumpy, you know, excited woman came up to me afterwards. And she <laughs> said, oh, my gosh, we have to be friends and I have to get you on my show. And this is so exciting and so much fun. And I want you to share everything about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK. <laughs> and your bees and your bees. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, I need your phone number. Like. Write it down for me, please. I love <laughs> and you it. were kind enough to do it. Yes. Um, so she was speaking about bees, but what I really liked, Cameron, and why I so excitedly came up to you was because I felt like the people in the room were really responding to you. I got a vibe. I don't know if it was correct or not, but that most of those people knew you in more of a professional sense yes, than, exactly. than as a beekeeper lady. And they seemed really intrigued. A couple people asked you questions like, well, what, what brought you here? And you very casually kind of deflected to a couple events in your personal life that kind of led you there. But you brought it back to the bees and and me, my little <laughs> antenna. We have antenna on today. The When you see this on YouTube, friends, you'll see that we're wearing them. My antenna perked up and said, this girl's got a story. There's something it's there. It's bigger than bees. It's bees, but... There's a reason for these bees. They, yes, seem, exactly. they seem special and they seem important. So I wanted to have you here to talk about it today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. I am not normally a sharer, so this is really exciting to be able to just answer questions and share. There's a lot of things that I just assume people don't find, you know, I, I just assume it's normal. And, oh, that's not interesting. Why would I tell someone? Oh, I don't, you know. But a lot of people have told me recently, no, really, no, these things are interesting and you, you need to share more. So, well, I felt like today I felt like good. the summary that you sent us, like I was like, it reads like a novel. It's great. I'm like, I want to write a book. I was like, my, my second book that I write will have to be about Cameron. You know, uh, like it reads so well. It's, oh, all these things happened in my life. And so I researched bees and then this stuff happened and I drove over and put some in the trunk of my car and then this <laughs> stuff happened and now I'm a bee mama. And, um, I appreciate that you said, you know, I'm not normally a sharer. We did have a really brief conversation where we said we feel like when we share, it's better. But so if I ask you anything today that pushes you too far, it's totally fine on this show just to tell me I don't want to talk about that. You know, like, oh, okay. it's totally fine. But um, as, as much as you'll give us, we'll take, you yeah. know, um, I'm going to jump right into questions because I do have a list of questions for you. I think Heather might have a couple as well, uh, but I've mm-hmm. definitely got some questions for you today. 
You started to talk about um, in your in your summary to us all the research that you did before you pulled the trigger on buying the hive. Yes. Do you remember what uh, put the bee in your bonnet that started all that research or the moment when you said, hey, I'm going to do that someday? No, I mean, I think it was something this sounds so corny, but I really do think the bees like sought me out. I think there is some sort of like higher power, something that just kept pulling me back to them. So um, a year before uh, I, I really started diving into to beekeeping, we lived in an area where it wasn't very conducive. It wasn't safe. I have children. I had neighbors close by. It was an open yard, uh, you know, no fencing. And so it had always been in the back of my mind is um, I just love adventures and I like being a bit unique. I like doing things that maybe people would not necessarily expect. Um, and so after moving and having um, a little bit more acreage, uh, fenced yard, you know, all of the, the pieces kind of fell into place. And so uh, finally, uh, after just watching YouTube videos, reading books from the library, I mean, I was a total nerd um, <laughs> obsessed with just sort of I can do this. I can do this. I think it takes a while to get sort of the energy and the, the confidence to go, OK, it's either I'm going to keep reading and keep researching and just kind of keep it hidden. And I did talk to my husband about it, but I didn't tell my children. You know, we we just sort of I kept it uh, under wraps a bit. And then at some point, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was some life experiences that just said, you know what? Go for it. Who cares? Just, you know, try it. If it doesn't work, move on. Do something new. So that's what I did. I just sort of jumped in and didn't quite know how deep the the water is. But it's exciting. I am definitely um swimming along and doing well. My bees have survived their first winter, so that's very exciting for any beekeepers out there who know um, you're just nervous as heck. I mean, it gets, you know, especially in Florida, it can go down from 25 degrees, 30 degrees one day, all the way up to 75 in the same day, um, which makes you very, very nervous about your, um, you know, 40,000 bees in your backyard, hoping that they are doing okay. But um, yeah, for now, it's, um, it's going really well, and I'm excited that I started this adventure. That's awesome. Somebody was just telling me yesterday, I was, I was talking about you were going to be on the show, and they were talking about a beekeeper friend up north and winterizing their hive. Yes. And that seems like that would be tricky here because, like you just said, the variation of temperature. And Absolutely. Whatnot. And we don't yeah. have much of a winter. So a lot of it goes on, and if there's folks out there that know about the different solstices. Um, so the winter solstice is in December. And that's the date. So um, it's basically sort of our our Florida winter, if you say. So it's funny. I, I think of it backwards. You know, I don't. I'm still wearing my flip flops all the way through December, and mm -hmm. then in January I might pull out, you know, the knee high boots or you know mm -hmm. something with fur on it, just to, to have that quick little spurt of you know winter January February. Really, the bees um, they slow down significantly. The queen stops laying so much, and so the winter. For a colony of bees um, in Florida, anyway, especially North Florida, all depends on where you are in Florida because we have such a, a dramatic um, seasons from you know Miami to Tallahassee. But um, as far as temperatures, but the bees will um, slow down significantly. The queen will slow down in laying, and then once that winter solstice hits, they start immediately wanting to increase their numbers and get ready for spring. They need to have um, you know a significant number of bees in the hive ready to go when everything starts blooming. Mm -hmm. And so it's very strange that I feel like January, February for us is still pretty chilly, um, but the bees are already kind of working hard right through it um, to increase their numbers so that things can just start exploding in March and April. And that's when we also worry about um, swarms. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when, when a beehive gets too large, um, where it is now, it will want to um, continue on. It sort of um, procreates or, or, you know, 
multiplies. And so uh, many beekeepers always think about um, swarm season in March and April um, where their hives will start um, growing queen cells and, and wanting to, um, to go find further habitats. Hopefully that's not your neighbor's, you know, roof. Or anything <laughs> like that. So um, yeah, right. it is, yeah. it's, it's a really fun time. I love that. Um, also, I incidentally, you were talking about, oh, I like a new adventure. I saw on your personal social media this morning that you were like doing carpentry this weekend. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I do have um, some new, a new table saw. It, was, it isn't new. It was, um, it was my dad's. And so I've got lots of neat um, carpentry equipment that I have decided I need to put to use. This is a great hobby. A lot of my beekeeper friends in the um, Appalachian Beekeepers Association are, um, well, they're typically um, retired men and they're very good, many of them, at carpentry. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to sort of dip my toes in and mm-hmm. see what I could do. Uh, yes, I put together four hives and, um, you know, got to use uh, the drill and the saws and the, you know, um, so uh, Brad gun. It was really fun. You're I enjoyed so it. So I did. Uh, I did nail uh, something to my kitchen table and, <laughs> and said a few explicatives. And um, but you know what? My husband did not help me. I, I said, nope, you stay outside, do your yard work. I am. I'm, I'm doing this. So this. it was really, really fun and rewarding, as most things are with beekeeping. You know, you just got to try it and figure it out. And, you know, yeah, I watched a couple YouTube videos to see, you know, OK, what do I paint? What do I not paint? You know, inside the hive, nope, but only the outside of the hive. There's lots of really fun things to learn, but I did it. So it's exciting. Who knows? You know, I have a question here for you that I'm not even going to ask you to answer, but I am going to read this question because I think that the answer is apparent. Do you approach most projects in your life with the same zeal that you've put into (laughs) the bees? Uh, It seems like if you throw yourself in, you throw yourself in. Yes, exactly. So there is a funny story with that, too. You know, I was um, meeting with a girlfriend of mine. We were thinking about doing a little investment little thing. And so we were we were we were looking around town for some property and it was just an idea. And my husband went to my friend and he said, now, you you better be ready to do this because like Cameron will be all in. Like she right. she doesn't sort of halfway do something or, oh, you know, let's think about it a while. Like, I mean, they're like, oh, yes, let's do this or nah, you know, this isn't feeling right. Mm-hmm. But yes, that Heather is- and I are very like Heather. Mm-hmm. When we started this show, it was exactly that same thing, wasn't it? Like we were we were at lunch at Cool Beans here locally. And I'm like, we should do a podcast. And Heather's like, OK. Let's go do a podcast. And what are we? What is today? Is this number 27? 29. 29. Yeah, 29. I was today. in the kitchen yeah, so. last night with my husband, kind of uh, side eye talking about our younger son. And I, I said, he just does what he wants to do when he doesn't take no for an answer. And my husband's like, I know somebody like that. <laughs> right? I wonder where he gets it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, fair. So. On our social media, we posted some things about the queen. We talked about her. You sent me some things this I week. Did. You, Just a few you, facts. You called her a floozy. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She is. She does not um, any and all uh, male bees in the sky. She right. Mm, does. Yeah. She's very busy. She's very busy. Well, she's, well got, it, she's got stuff to get done. She doesn't have time. Yeah. She's not messing around. Right. 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 Yeah, she's right. very busy. And, you know, and as all women, too. I mean, you know, we're thinking about the survival of our, of our colony. You right. Know, she has a big job to do. And she needs to get back in there. And um, well, yes, so funny. Like when I watched you speak, when I saw the presentation, I felt sorry for the queen. I thought of her as 
a woman, like a slave, like she was constantly in childbirth, it sounded like. But when you talked about her, when you gave us more information, you seem to have like an, a real affection for her. So t- tell us her secrets. Yes, I, I think that uh, the queen bee to me is just amazing. The idea that, um, you know, really the success of the hive does depend on her. So I think that there's a lot of, of weight on her shoulders and, and you know, she's, she's um, but also yet a very powerful um, influence on the hive. The... Um, she has to go out and uh, collect sperm, uh, as you say. So, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 drones, it takes about 30 minutes. She comes back to the hive. And then um, that might be the only time um, that she is is away from the hive. The rest of her life could be in the hive, um, continuously laying. So it's about 2,000 eggs a day. And to me, that's, that's just amazing to me. She is significantly larger. Um, you can tell a virgin queen, uh, the difference between the size of a virgin queen and then uh, after she comes back from her mating flight. So I just think that her body takes on a whole new, um, you know, shape, which is obviously very similar to us in childbirth women mm-hmm. that do. Uh, I just think that's fascinating to me. The idea that, mm-hmm. you know, my body, I'm a five foot tall. I don't know. I say I'm five two, but I probably am not. Um, <laughs> so, you know, a woman can, and I was, uh, you know, significantly um, sort of, uh, torpedo shaped and I just found that really interesting with my own childbirth experience and then the idea of, of, of the queen bee and then yeah she's just I mean her food is pre-digested and fed to her from the worker bees so I think it's also really neat that they they care for her you know they give her all the tools that she needs they keep um, the combs clean and and where she lays her eggs uh, you know it, it, it matters so they're very hygienic little little creatures which I think is really neat and they just serve her so well um, and I just, I don't know, I, I find her so fascinating. But then she's also this sort of scary little beast. Um, when she emerges from her cell, when she's a tiny little baby bee, you know, she, the first one out, there's multiple queen cells in a hive. And so the first one out, it's sort of survival of the fittest. She goes around and seeks out all the other queen cells and either stings or kills those little sisters of hers, um, either in the cell or if they emerge at the same time, they fight to the death. And uh, that you is said just savage. I mean, wild. yeah, savage. Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. And <laughs> so, in some ways, you know, she's this very, I'm getting super deep here, you know, maternal being where she's laying all these eggs and, you know, her entire job she is she will just, fight you to the death. Yeah, she will cut yeah. you. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's pretty she, much motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> you know, pretty much like I'm going to take care of these babies right. and, you know, I'm going to nurture them and keep them safe. And if you try to hurt them watch or out. you watch out. Or if well, you get in my way. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. She's just so fascinating. There's so much to learn. How do they Can- know she's the queen? Uh, pheromones. So there's scent. Okay. You know, and a lot of people don't realize to um, a beehive is pitch black. It's dark in there. Like the very best uh, really? situation that, you know, I know that beekeepers, you know, we sort of create these these areas. So, you know, you build a Langstroth hive and it's, you know, the white boxes that most people are all used mm-hmm. to and they're stacked one on top of each other. And um, some hives, um, I have a top bar hive and it's got this viewing window. So it's got a little click latch and you can pull down uh, a door and, and view inside, which is super fascinating. But normally there's no light that streams in. You know, there are these very, if you picture a dark cavity in a fallen tree is in the Mm -hmm. natural environment. That's where bees would normally survive. So the idea that, um, you know, they are going around and they're doing all of their work in pure darkness. And to me, that I don't know, that is just so interesting Mm -hmm. um, as well. Wow. They're using different senses. Yes. That's pretty interesting. Tell us a little bit, just as much as you're comfortable about how you're personal story and your bee story kind of intertwine? Sure. Um, well, gosh, there's, 
Um, there was a lot that happened to me in t- 2018. Um, and then, it, you know, I, I love the adventures. Like I said, I love doing, um, you know, sort of fun things within reason. I still am a very pragmatic person. I, you know, safety first and I've got, I'm a mother and I have to think about my children and, you know, my husband and my family and things like that. But, um, so uh, in 2017, I decided that, um, I had a, just a, a desire, this calling, I don't know what you would call it, just a, a need to help, um, those that were going through infertility. So I ended up, um, <laughs> Uh, going through the route of surrogacy. Uh, I was a surrogate uh, for a a little boy, a little baby boy. And it was just such a rewarding, uh, life-changing experience. Uh, Again, I kept a lot of it private and quiet. Um, I hid it for four months. Um, And I also, while working at the the Florida Capitol, which which is interesting, it was during session. And so wearing work suits and having this massive torpedo belly coming along. Now this would be the third pregnancy that I've had in which many women know pregnancies come on a lot quicker Mm -hmm. Uh, your body changes a lot quickly so that was an exciting time and um, it I was just so glad it worked out very well for not only the mom and dad of course um, they got to take home this this beautiful baby boy Um, but then I just um, it fulfilled whatever desire I had in me and I just still don't know what that was to, to help someone or you know I'd heard stories about my girlfriends going through infertility and um, you know, I just thought I, I can do this. It just was really important to me. Um, and I didn't know the people. Um, you know, I told a lot of my friends, how I'll did have you your find baby. them or um, and was it their genetic material? Or Yes, it was, yeah. it's all that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. It was it was their own. They had uh, two frozen embryos um, that were viable um, and uh, one did not work. We knew very quickly it did not work. And then the and again, because I'm five foot, we decided uh, that we were not going to put both of them in at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just be a bit dangerous for me. I'm a small person. And the idea that if both of the embryos took, maybe even if one split, then we would be dealing with a multiple situation. And so um, thankfully, uh, we made the best decision because the first one did not work. And so we knew right away through a blood test. And then uh, we had to take a little break for about a month or two and then got right back at it. And and um, the second uh, IVF procedure um, ended up working and and yeah nine months later a little little guy emerged and it was just really exciting and um, so I felt so good about that situation uh, it just was it was the best experience possible uh, and then that was August of 2018 he was born um, the crazy thing uh, August 17th is um, National Honeybee Day Aww. so his <laughs> birth date ended up being and I didn't even know this until a year later as I was posting his happy one year you know, happy birthday post, because a, a bunch of my girlfriends are still very interested to know how, how the little guy is doing. Um, he, he lives in the state of Florida, just just not here in Tallahassee. Do you keep and, in contact um, with his parents? or I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get um, it very minimal, which is the way that, that yeah. I like it. I think mm-hmm. that um, you asked how we were matched up. It was a, um, I went to an attorney because that's sort of how just my world works. I know a lot of attorneys and that that's just sort of the way I felt comfortable. And it was a... Um, Art, A-R-T, and it stands for something about surrogacy and, and I can't remember the exact words, but an, an attorney that specializes in, in this art thing where um, she actually had her own twins using a surrogate. Wow. And so mm-hmm. she knew the other side of the story. And I said, you know, I'd really be interested. Can you help match me up with someone? And she said, no, I just, after getting to know me a little bit, she said, Let's, um, let me introduce you to an agency. And so we went through a little screening process. Well, not little. It was very, obviously, it was a very intense process. There's some psychological evaluations, not only for myself, but my husband. And um, just lots of, uh, the whole process was very interesting to know how it, how it all works. And we um, 
did Skype interviews and I just um, was matched up with a wonderful um, husband and wife that uh, are actually younger than I am. So that was really interesting too. And, um, but I don't know if for, for you sciencey people out there, the embryo um, is uh, the material that does not age. Uh, I'm sorry, the embryo is what ages, excuse me, um, the egg, the woman's egg, um, but the uterus does not. Mm-hmm. So I, it was safe and healthy for me to be um, a 38-year-old surrogate and to carry a 32-year-old's mm-hmm. um, oh, um, wow. embryo. So that interesting? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about the uterus I, not aging the uterus the same That's way right. that it's, the egg. I wouldn't have thought of that as yeah. a potential conflict or a potential. Yeah. So when know, they call like, us, like, I wouldn't have thought um, of that. Oh, older uh, pregnant women. What is it? Advanced. Oh, yeah, advanced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to be monitored. Geriatric. You know, it's anything yeah. over 35, maybe, or whatever mm-hmm. the age is. I just found that so funny. I was 38 and it didn't, I didn't have to be specially monitored. Now I was because of the IVF and I had to have, you know, shots in the, in the rear end and, and all of that fun stuff. So um, that was, I was specially monitored, but it was, I just found that part really interesting. Um, but yeah, they matched us up. I wanted, um, uh, I was hoping for a family from Florida. I was, a, I'm a professional, I work and I didn't have um, the ability to travel out of state you know, far away to the fertility clinic that, that they chose. And so um, I, again, I, I was looking for a family that maybe would be okay with the one embryo at a time. I was looking for a, a family. Um, there's a lot of folks that have, are from other countries mm-hmm. and um, I just preferred not because there was with language barriers there's lots mm-hmm. of odd things that I learned as as talking to other surrogates and and things so it all just worked out really well and we were matched up and they're just a really sweet young couple they're very modest I'm very modest you know it worked I think the personalities um, the agencies are very very helpful to put people together that have the right sort of mojo. We just fit really well. That's such um, a awesome. wonderful gift yeah, that you so can cool. give to them. It really was. And I highly recommend it. I mean, I know it's a, it's a, some people, you know, my, I used to always tell my husband, oh my gosh, this is just so weird. And you know, that's probably the, the worst word you could use. It was just a unique experience. Unique. I don't think it's like for that. everyone, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely was great for me. And some people's, you know, adventure doesn't work out and, and there's, they, they aren't able to provide uh, the, the baby for, um, uh, for the parents, and I, I just feel really bad for those surrogates. You know, mm-hmm. For so many reasons, um, my experience worked out really well. So I have a friend um, who was a surrogate, um, I think for twins, and um, watching her go through that experience, I was just in awe um, because I... I've had two children and I did not enjoy being pregnant. And so I was in awe of her taking that on. And she does enjoy being pregnant. She loves it. And And I could see how if you were one who just loved that, that, that time, if your uterus is, is, Available. Cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can. Cook, I can cook another baby. Like, I could yeah. have. You know, you yes. don't have to have. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah, I didn't have the back pains. I didn't have major swelling. It just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Call it genetics. Call it good luck. I don't know what yeah. it is. I mean, I just, I enjoyed it, and um, you know, I love uh, wearing, you know, big old clothes, and I don't know. It's just, it's funny to me. There's just some people that that did not. So many of my girlfriends did not um, enjoy that experience. I did. And so I just decided, well, heck, why don't I try it one more time? Do you think uh, you'll do yeah, it again? I, so, no. And the funny thing is, I, I have a very, I don't know, I have these strong feelings about all sorts of stuff in my life. And, and mm-hmm. I, after the birth and going home and, you know, how wild. So I had a C-section. I have my own children were, were born via C-section. So I had to do it the third time. 
Um, so you leave the hospital with no baby. Right. You go home to recover for eight weeks with no baby. I had no baby to wake up and care for in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. It was such a unique That's experience surreal. again, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, where I had to still go through a lot of other um, experiences that, that women deal with after, you know, in the recovery phase. But it was just um, neat. And I think during that time, I had these other activities kind of pop up in my life that I'll tell you about in a minute. But um, it just, it, it felt good. I, I received whatever because the surrogate does get something out of it too i know it's a it is a very you know big gift that you're giving that that other family and obviously the, the life of a child and it might be their only child that this family has right uh, and so i just thought that was of course very special but i got so much out of it too and i did think you feel I really like lo- you bonded with the baby no no it, so it's um, interesting yeah there's and i did research on that i again youtube nerd research nerd <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of my um friends uh doctor friends about it and i just decided i did not hold the baby I did not. Um, I felt that there was such a need for the mom and the dad to bond um, that in the in the surgery room, you know, the, the baby is, is um, taken out of, of the surrogate and, and monitored and checked and all of these things. And then they're whisked off to their mm-hmm. own recovery room. Right. And so then I have to kind of go to my recovery room. And I just felt like that was really important that I could see him if I wanted through glass or, but I just, I don't know. It was funny, like you said about the pheromones with the queen mm-hmm. bee. This is so random that it goes back to the, the bees. But the pheromones to me, you know, the scent of the mom and the dad that I just felt like I did not want to mess with that. Well, and he I wasn't your that. DNA. No. He was yeah. their baby. Was mm-hmm. Yeah. And they needed to get to work. I mean, I had these nine months to you know, he, he sort of knew who I was. Now they needed to get to know him. Wow. Um, so mm-hmm. that was really neat. Now, one cool thing that I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a super like, that sounds funny, but a thoughtful person. You know, it really has to take me like, what, you know, what, what wedding gift would I get someone? And I'll go after like the spatula or whatever. <laughs> I just, it really is hard for me to kind of think the thoughtful thing of what somebody would truly love or something very creative. So I did uh, get a music box for the little guy and it was a ha- saying happy birthday, you know, you wind it up, a little globe. And so this is kind of random, but every day on my way to the Capitol for work, because I, I worked right up until my due date. I, again, I had no problems with pregnancy and didn't have to take off time, thank goodness. And so I would put the uh, music globe in my lap, because if, if you all know, you know, baby is turned upside down. And so the head mm-hmm. is down towards the nether region and uh, uh, winded up that little music box. And it played happy birthday every day on my way to work. And I just told myself, you know, people that put the the earphones around the belly mm-hmm. and they play music. I get that. And all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I thought, well, shoot, why can't he? He can probably hear this. And so then I gave the music box or the little globe to the family. And then when they left, you know, my I did have a little worry. And maybe I had that little maternalistic instinct you know what if he goes home and it was many hours away that that they were taking the baby home and then you know he's crying as any baby would but maybe the parents would have a little go-to a little trick and so they could turn on that music box Mm. and maybe that would soothe him for just a minute i I felt like that was a really neat you're thoughtful lady you're thoughtful that's That's awfully thoughtful so that was really neat the idea that happy birthday i love that you sought this out and did it i always said i would be a surrogate for someone like I wouldn't now anymore. I've had a lot of surgeries to put my own body in order and get myself right. And I'm old, you know, I'm, you know but um, at, there was a time where I was totally like, I would totally be a surrogate. Like I was like waiting for someone to ask me yes. like, yeah, like, that was oh, me. yeah, just, you know, if someone asked me, I would totally do it. Um, 
But I would have never, ever thought like you really wanted to do it. Like I would have never thought I'm going to seek this out, you know, just yes, so that I can give this gift route. to a stranger. I yeah. think that's so cool. It's unique. Yes. I mean, I don't have a sister. I don't have, um, you know, female cousins. I don't have sort of these close female where where I think that that's how most of surrogates, I assume it comes from a best friend that needs. Right. So, but I did. I would ask all my friends, you know, I'll have your baby. But, you know, <laughs> Would I, you like a baby? Right. I'll have one. And my husband, you know, finally one day he was like, babe, are you for real? Are you serious about this? Because you, you say it a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It just, it, I don't know. It was something, again, it sounds odd. So, you know, the surrogacy thing. And then I'm home for eight weeks. I'm recovering. And then uh, we had um, ended up moving during that time after the, the um, surrogate was uh, child was it's born. It's all links back to bees, people. Okay? It's crazy. Just give us a second. Yes, I know. We're coming in. I'm bringing it in. I'm reeling it in. Um, and so it's just crazy to me to think that August and then we move in September. And I'm again, I got a, now a property that's a little more conducive to bees. I'm at home. I'm researching and I'm thinking, you know what? Like now is the time. I've just got to do this. I'm done with this one last adventure. Um, you know, let's let's just dive right in. And I knew I still had to kind of like ease it into my husband. I was a little nervous, you know, about I just ended this kind of big family thing. I mean, my children were very involved in the in the surrogacy. Not necessarily. I think by just being around it, you know, mm-hmm. I had to explain it to their, right. their friends' parents. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that at the time I had a fifth grader and she's watching the video in school on mm-hmm. fun fifth grade <laughs> body <laughs> stuff. And I had to explain it to a couple of the parents, the friends' parents, you know, just to make sure that they knew what I was, how I was explaining it to my child in case they overheard things or they wanted right. to explain it to their own. Because parents obviously can tell or not tell whatever they choose to their own children. Right. I just felt a little, a little worried about that. So... Yeah, my kids were very involved with all sorts of interesting ways with the surrogacy. But after the birth, you know, at home, I thought, uh oh, now I'm going to be bringing in, you know, these deadly animals with stingers. And, you know, I got to ease them into it. What's so, mom doing now? Right. <laughs> What's the new adventure right. here? Yeah. Uh, and so it did, I did kind of ease into it. But in the meantime, um, my father died exactly a month after, uh, after the baby was born. So that was, um, you know, huge and traumatic. And, and again, I think that there's many things that we do in our life that um, maybe I didn't want to deal with the grief or I was, you know, I just, I'm one of those that, as you could tell, I like to be busy. I like to do stuff. And so I think that the bees also were a way of just reading and researching and talking to joining the Appalachian Beekeepers Association, going to meetings. Maybe it was a way to kind of not quite deal with all that sadness that was going on mm-hmm. at the time. So I think or reroute it into something you know, positive. You know? Could be, yes. Mm-hmm. You channel it into something that fed your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think, like you said at the beginning of the show, that the bees sought you out, and it, I can, I have this mental image of them kind of following you around, <laughs> like a bee follows you sometimes. So there are stories, and I, I get, I don't, you know, whatever it could be on Facebook or don't believe everything you read on the internet. But yes, there are stories that. So bees know um, faces. So when I, you know, I try to go check on my bees, um, you know, every day I'll walk out there, not necessarily open the hive. You would never do that um, that often. Maybe every week, every two weeks. It just depends on the season and what's going on out there. Um, but I do, I talk to to my bees. Um, and I think that's one way of kind of dealing with maybe some of the surrogacy stuff. Or yeah. Maybe some of the, um, you know, sad dad stuff. Um, you know, the the idea that I can just go out. It's sort of like moms where we go into the bathroom because we just want a quiet minute away from, you know, mm-hmm. mom, like the screaming mm-hmm. kids. And so I think in a way that was sort of my like hiding in the bathroom, yeah. hiding in the pantry. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's funny moms that do that all the time that I just went out to my bee yard and sat and like t- talked to them. And it was just really neat. But I do think that they know who I am. Yeah. Um, 
And but these stories that you hear on the internet, bees will go there. I've heard of beekeepers that have passed, and there's a story about the bees that flew up into the the um, the covering. It was an open um, what is it called? Where you're buried in the in the out um, in the ceremony in the um, oh goodness, what in the world is it called? Um, the graveyard mm-hmm. where you have a ceremony for the mm-hmm. um, the death uh, out. And, and then there's like a maybe a tent mm-hmm. over the area, and there are stories that that bees have gone to the um, yes to the burial, wow, yeah, and like kind of swarmed up in the tent. Now, I just it could be made up, I don't know, but I just find that so refreshing. The idea that they just wanted to send off their beekeeper, like they there is you know while they yes many of them only live forty days, so they're always dying and reproducing. I just still think of that as like the colony knows. Maybe yes. each mm-hmm. individual bee doesn't necessarily know right. what has happened or if their beekeeper has passed or whatever. That's really but, interesting. Yeah, that that's yeah. really so interesting. Will you tell us, um, you, you you mentioned a couple times, I think both in your email and in your presentation about your toolbox. Will you, will you tell us oh, a story about yeah. your toolbox? Yeah, so um, it was just an item that, you know, as... Um, when a, you know an older person passes away, there's all this stuff. You know, there's the stuff, stuff in our garage, oh, and there's I know. stuff in mm-hmm. my mom's garage, and there's you know boxes in the attic and all of this. And so you know you just kind of go in here or there, and you think, okay, well maybe maybe I do want that. But yeah, mom, don't take that to Goodwill. I want that. Wait, wait, don't take this to Goodwill. And so it just happened to be that a lot of the items that I I asked if I could have, um, and I do have an older brother, so I wanted to make sure that he got some special things too. But um, yeah, it was my dad's old metal, rusty, rickety. You know, just it's a long, skinny, odd shaped toolbox and it had his name kind of scribbled in it and like kid handwriting. So it's just, you know, it's cool. It's just nobody would think anything about it. But to me, it's just a really cool piece. And so that's what I use every day. It it, um, holds all my hive tools very well because they're sort of long, skinny. I have you have bee brushes and and a hive tool and kind of knives and all kind of interesting things that you need to take out to the bee yard um, when you go check on your hives and it just fits perfectly. So it's just another weird way. That's to really honor, nice. Yeah, cool. to honor my dad. Super and then I've cool. got his table saws and he liked to make um, uh, uh, wooden uh, cutting boards. Oh, cool. And so it's odd that all this, his sort of little side hobby after uh, retirement was woodworking and then that sort of turned into It's my... not odd. <laughs> it's not <laughs> odd. That's the universe at work. Yeah. Right? Isn't that yeah. cool? Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it just is really special. It makes me feel good. And... You know, what's really wonderful is that you seem to be open enough to to notice how those pieces could fit together you know and 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 to be able to welcome those into your life and and to know that the bees are there for a reason and there's there's a therapeutic element to them in your life i really feel like loss breeds that in people when you lose really really important things you look at the things that remain in a new way Mm -hmm. oh for sure and i think any kind of tragedy that you go through and i um, Hurricane Michael came at that same time. Ugh, yay. You know, so I had to deal with taking care of my mother um, and her house that that night. You know, every a lot of the Tallahassee folks remember that and panhandle that you're you know, in this dark, scary, you know, environment where you don't know what's going to happen. We're used to hurricanes, but that was a pretty scary time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm at my mom's house with my daughter and, you know, my husband is back at our house with our son. And we're just sort of going through the motions um, now having to to to, you know, help with my um, widowed mom. So that was a, a scary experience. And then, um, 
uh, I was ended up uh, being out of work. So my job ended. It naturally ended um, election day of 2018. That was in November. So, you know, me, idle hands is not a good thing. <laughs> and so that was very tragic. The idea of I knew it was coming, but it's still another thing when you're home, yeah. you know, trying to then uh, research, research and figure out your next professional move. You know, it's, all of these things were sort of weighing on me. And I don't. Yeah, I think that the bees in a way were just this neat little escape where I could, you know, if I didn't want to deal with an emotion that day, I could, you know, read another chapter in my book on requeening or, you know, catching swarms. I mean, it sounds so cheesy and silly. And, you know, a lot of my girlfriends do not have this hobby and are, you know, they just find it so wacky and wild. Um, but for me, it just it was sort of this a comfort zone that I could go to. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So it was really, yeah. it was really special. <laughs> so your, I, your safe place is filled it, with bees. Right, Desi, exactly. Stinging, scary. Just protect her from anything right, else out there. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm sure there's therapists <laughs> listening to this right now being like, oh my gosh, this woman. I really yeah. feel my best when I'm surrounded so, by vicious killers <laughs> sharp edges. No, right, they're there to right. protect. They know her scent and her face and they're yes. going to protect right. her. Yeah, you're that safe in right. there. That's right. But what does that say though? I mean, I, you know, the idea that I chose, you know, surrogate potentially deadly. I mean, it, it, there is a very scary, you know, again, it was a, it was a major medical procedure uh, sure. that I did and, and lots of shots yeah. and all sorts of, you know, things that could have happened. So I've, I chose that and then I chose bees. I mean, what in the world? I'm, you have a death I love it. It's obvious. Wild, wild. <laughs> Living on the edge. Um, I want to talk about bees all day and there's like six other stories that I want to launch into. But for the sake of time, we're going to go to our grab bag. Uh, I really and you just mentioned something that leads to it really well. Actually, uh, we had a little exchange off the air about the bees gave you kind of a way to connect that wasn't just about like a mommy wine brunch kind of thing. We had we had a discussion about that. like like it gave you something to do that wasn't just sit and, you know, like lament with people or, you know, absolutely you know, or those kind of things. And so we talked about this mommy wine culture just real briefly. And I want to hear your views about how that kind of culture both helps and hurts female friendships. And Heather, you get to hear you get to join us on on this, too, because you don't know what the grab bag was until I just said it. I so love this part. Of I want to talk about that. I think this yeah. is so funny that yeah. Heather's sitting over here like, what? she's like, oh, oh cool. Okay. Like, if, if you could see her face, <laughs> I don't know if YouTube got her face, you know, but uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm OK. Surprised. So I want to talk about that, you know, kind of mommy wine culture, how it helps, yeah. how it hurts. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, so. Two points. So um, I think mommy wine culture, as you call it, um, it shrinks your your group, which I don't like. I like the idea that I think we should all have like various friends from all over. And so, um, you know, by having this hobby of beekeeping, I have met um, a tons of new people through beekeeping clubs and and forums on Facebook and asking questions. and And I like the idea that my my friend group has now broadened. I mean, many of them are retired 60 year old men that you know my husband's oh your friend Elmore yep my buddy Elmore. Uh, you know and my that. other friend from Sop Choppy yeah you know mm -hmm. I mean, these little towns you know on the outskirts of Tallahassee I just I love that I love that I have an avenue to broaden I think that that a smaller group that you know maybe only gets together yeah to 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 you know, drink wine and, and, and gripe about their kids and things Bitch, like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, well, it's necessary. Yes, we all need an outlet. I, I like the idea that I think that it's just important that we have various different types of friends 
Um, and then I also like the idea, too, that I can bring this new thing that I've learned. Now, while, yes, the, you know, my girlfriends, when I do, because I do go to my own wine nights, sure. But, um, you know, my girlfriend's like, oh, Jesus, here she comes. Oh, great. She's bringing a bottle of mead. Gross. <laughs> you know, sorry for those out there that love mead. Um, it is a sweet honey Um fermented honey wine uh you know it's of course i brought that to my wine night i'm like all right ladies let's try some of this you know i want to share my hobby with my girlfriends and Mm -hmm. i want to broaden them just as i hope that if they have something new that they're doing that they share it with me and so you know again i don't i just feel the the need to sort of expand um uh, in this, this period of my life. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have a child in middle school and elementary school and they don't, maybe they don't need me as much. You know mm. what? No, I'm not Cameron, wiping butts anymore. There's that too. And I think for me, and I don't know for you, but when my dad died and my, my mom died too, so I, I am a parentless child. And for me, it really helped me to expand and form friendships with different kind of people. Like you just said, you have a friend named Elmore. You know, yeah. like I have a, an older gentleman who's who's British that we met on my Camino walk and we talk at least once a week. And, you know, it, no one's ever going to replace that dad voice in your life, exactly. you know, or right. that mom voice in your life. But for me, it became important to have friends that weren't just 35 to 40 years old. You know what I mean? To have... Like, who do you ask questions to if you don't have friends that are older? Like, who do you, you know, and and I think that that that's important. You know, that branching out comes very naturally, especially if you don't have that connection or outlet in your family, I think. Yes, I I completely agree. Yeah, it is a feeling where I go to my B club meetings and, you know, I just sit there or I'll sit there and think, well, gosh, dad would love this, you know, yeah. like, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, he would have been just putzing around the room and chit chatting with everybody, asking them about their bees. And, you know, yeah. so it is a mm-hmm. neat, I don't, you know, way that maybe I'm bringing him along with me a little bit. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's neat. I really like that. I really like having a variety of friends and through in a variety of different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And I find that I, I resonate or what you said resonates with me about it. Um, limiting your friend group to people who share a specific interest, and you know, really, in, I really enjoy having pockets of friends in different places yeah. that I have different things in common with, and that um, they don't. I don't know, like if I put them all in the same room, it'd be interesting to see what happened. But um, I really enjoy having different groups where we can explore our shared interest. Mm -hmm. And maybe I have never thought about mommy drinking culture as being one of the elements that limits Mm -hmm. it. But it is kind of one of those groups, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and I think your question was, you know, like, how does it limit? us is that what you're asking yeah how does it limit us or how does how is it helpful how does it bond us too you know well i think it does both you Mm -hmm. may definitely bond us yeah i think that Mm -hmm. alcohol has always been a social lubricant for conversation and you know it's it's something that bonds people together and but there are some people i can't get along with when they're drunk and i can only get along with them they're sober and possibly vice vice versa versa. (laughs) for sure and then I also think that it limits us because it just it feels like a crutch sometimes, you know, like it's the, it, in the same way that it can be a helpful path to conversation with somebody. It can also stunt your real conversations when you have this 
element in it that the words are escaping me now that I want to say um, where it can if that's the only thing propping up your conversation, right. that's what I'm trying right. to say. Right. Mm-hmm. Evaluate mm-hmm. And, and figure out maybe there is more that you exactly. need to be doing. Right. Yes. Yeah. If yeah. This and I think is... if you're sitting around griping about whatever it is, your job, your whatever, constantly with a group, or yeah. you know, you're sort of feeding off of that, there there is a bit of negativity, but but you also need it. I think that there's many ways where I go home and you know, oh gosh, it's just such a long day. And I does feel good to vent to my girlfriends. And yeah, of course. That's why. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but I just think the idea that to always be doing that, um, I don't know, it's just a bit sad. I just feel like there's more to life out there. I totally um, agree. You know, or invite yeah. that different friend to come with you. I mean, like, as you said, Heather, I don't know. I don't know how would it be if we mix these groups. So I did a little dinner. There's a, a restaurant, Sage in Tallahassee. It's delicious. Um, and so I just did a little Sage night, and I got uh, five different girls together from all sorts of different groups that I'm friends with. I've got a downtown sort of political group, and you know I've got my kids' sports teams, and so different moms. Um, you know, a girlfriend from high school, and so it all kind of we just put it all together, and um, you know, and I let them know like, hey, so and so is coming, and so and so and so and so, and so it was just neat. Oh, wait, I know her. I know her, and I. I didn't even know that two girls knew each other. Yeah. If I hadn't hit, you know, it's sort of that when you go to Facebook and you click on mutual friends. and Right. (laughs) So it just that it was really neat to see those groups come together. Um, You know, I don't think you will do that often, but just, you know, every now and again, have a dinner and bring together Mm -hmm. these different people. I don't know if Elmore would fit in. (laughs) I don't know. But But I love that. And I've had conversations with both of you about being connectors and Mm -hmm. what that means to, to bring groups together. And I think that's a real way to combat that exclusivity of, you know, this is um, my little group that I get together and it always turns into a bitch fest and whatever. You know, I think like introducing people to new people, you know, and forming new bonds is really a special thing. And it's really a thing that some women, I don't I don't know how, how men feel about this, but some women have a hard time. Some women get her like, this is my friend. Yeah. Right. She's my friend. And I don't right. want her to meet that other friend. They, I don't want them to like right. each you other. Right, you can't have her. She's on like, Yeah, yes. she's mine. And I think it's just so much nicer when, I mean, if, if you look at it from the standpoint of she's an awesome woman and that's why I like her and she's an awesome woman and that's why I like her. They'd probably like each other, you know, and, and that's, I, I think to be a connector like that and to be, you know, a person who is open to sharing is such a gift. Don't you think? Don't you think that that's just a nice way to live? Yeah, And we all just know? need growth in our lives. The idea that mm-hmm. you're just sort of going through life and stagnant and, and, you know, only focusing on your children, only focusing on work, on your husband, whatever it is. And the idea that, you know, you just, you need to always be sort of changing and growing. And so, I don't know, maybe that's why I picked some odd hobbies as well. Like, let's just try it and see, you know, jump in and see, you know, what happens. And so, yeah, I didn't know how that dinner would go at Sage. And But at the end of the night, I mean, we all had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think that that it made me feel good connecting these people. And I hope that they felt good, you know, sort of doing something a little unique and out of the box. Um, yeah. You know, and the next time they run into that same girlfriend at Publix, you know, it, it, I don't know. I just it, it brought a lot of um, you know fun and 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 new conversation that I think is really needed. Where maybe the same conversations would always happen if you're with that right you know, one group all the time. Well, you know, even though we are adults um, who have progressed beyond the age of junior high, <laughs> you know, we still orient our social lives very much like we did then, and you know 
having these little clicks where on one hand, it's people that you feel safe and comfortable with that you can be your authentic self. And, yes. And, and you need that. Yes. And, you know, in some female groups, you have that element. And in some, you we still don't. Mm-hmm. We still have those female friend groups where you don't feel like you can be your authentic self, that as soon as you leave the room, somebody's they're talking about you or, you know, that those types of dynamics still exist regardless of our age. And so it, I like the idea of mixing it up and getting all those people together. Maybe maybe all the annoying people can go and form their own clique <laughs> and not include you. Yes, just don't go to Sage. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be busy at Sage. Yeah. Well, I'm, this has been a good conversation today. I think, you know, we got to be a connector. We got to bring somebody Yay. new in. And it. it was really a lot of fun. I know that I could talk to both of you for hours, for days. You know, this well, we have to go do lunch after this at Sage. I don't know. Yes. Um, and I'll tell you about drones. They're really fun. The boy bees. Oh, yeah. We yeah, got it. We're going to have to have you back. We're going to have to have her back yeah. at, the, at some point. But I think you guys just want more free honey because I can bring them. <laughs> some I'm excited honey. about the spicy honey. Uh, we Cinnamon actually, and mm. spicy whipped honey. Um, just two of my little products. I didn't I know mean, that honey could be whipped. Yes, so it is. It's just honey. There's no cream. There's no butter. You know, there's no other. It's just the way that the crystals um, form. They are smaller, rounder, more. It's a smoother consistency. It's like a spreadable it's honey spreadable. So rather than runny. Um, I can't so wait to eat it. I've, I've decided to take my fun little new hobby and turn it into Capital City Honey Company. So it will be launching sometime soon. I don't know. Well, that Let's was see. my next question is whether or not folks can. We'll, we'll take a picture yes. of these jars and we'll put yes. them on our Facebook page so you all can see how mm-hmm. cute they are and um, you know just kind of what they look like. And then you've got your website, CapitalCityHoney.com. Could people go and place orders for yes, honey? very soon. So I'm working on my landing page should be up soon. I mean, it's, cool. a, it's, a, it's a slow. While I love to like jump headfirst into, you know, fun activities, I, I want to do this right, you know. And so the idea, everything from the marketing to the branding to logo design, mm-hmm. it's just really fun and I enjoy it. So I'm taking it very slowly. I, I do have that. a full time job right now. Uh, so, you know, there's got there's just not enough time in the day. But this is just a great creative outlet. <laughs> I don't know for anything. Me. Well, and um, I love it. It's got the old Capitol Dome um, on the top of my bee. And so oh, it's just a really yeah, cool little uh, Tallahassee, you know, Capital City Honey Company uh, product that I hope to expand and it would be delicious with, you know, sweet grass dairy cheese or Bradley sausage. So I just love to have a local um, you know, product to, to share with friends mm-hmm. and family and, you know, maybe others. Um, well, when it's ready and you're ready to launch, um, let us know and we'll help spread the word. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll have you back. We'll have you out on an event with us because Heather and I are now doing events. We just... Yeah. over the weekend decided we were going to do events and went and met with people to do that so Gosh, we're very big now <laughs> yes. so bunch of, a bunch of uh, very busy ladies here who are connecting other ladies to one another who are you know using cool original hobbies to find their place in the world well, I think kind of right. like it's, bees yeah. right. out buzzing around yes. and following people around and, and putting them together and saying y'all should be friends and you should be doing things I love <laughs> it and how you guys can use the podcast to share all this new information I just think it's really interesting that cool. you know hopefully somebody's listening today and I didn't know this about bees and so now right. I've shared a little mm-hmm. bit and you guys have helped to connect it and I still want to do one more follow up post where we tell them even more stuff about bees because there's so much to talk about <laughs> we got the bees we got the bees we got you um, and I really I really am so happy that you came here today to share thank your story you. with us thank we you. really thank appreciate you it it was, it was just so much fun everybody go online look at us at Chrissy and Heather um, on Facebook on 
Instagram. Yeah, and our website. It's all Chrissy and Heather. Chrissy is C-H-R-Y-S-S-Y, the tricky name. Um, And go to look at Capital City Honey Company as well and check that out and learn about this lady and her story and this delicious stuff that she put jars of in front of us. Go get you some bees. Yeah, maybe go get yourself some bees. Be a beekeeper. (laughs) You know, and get... Get get stung by the <laughs> get stung the by the fever. Yeah. Stung, yeah. <laughs> and when, until next time. Bye. 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 Deep voice guy, how'd we do? I think you ladies did absolutely fabulous. And for those of you looking to increase your dosage, make sure to connect with the Chrissy and Heather show on Facebook and Instagram.